1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. So happy tonight to be speaking in a debt-free church. Hallelujah. Should be an encouragement to all of us. Just stay with it. Amen. We've been dealing the last couple of Wednesdays roundabout fashion with Luke 18, 1. Jesus said men should always pray and never give up. And maybe we've taken that the wrong way, that we should just keep praying the way we've been praying. And maybe someday, hopefully, the Lord will answer. Well, maybe that's not the way he meant it. Maybe the way he meant it was find out how to pray. Don't don't give up finding out how to pray effectively. And uh, then your answer will come. Acts 17, 28, in him we live and move and have our being. We've been saying the last couple of Wednesday nights that nothing can take the place of prayer. You know, full gospel people, I love full gospel people. I've been around full gospel people for 60 years. But they love to find alternatives to the basic fundamental teachings of the Word of God. I don't know why that is. Maybe all people are like that. Uh, You know, we have an example of that right now with this COVID cult. Hundreds of years of accumulated knowledge on uh, viruses and immunities and all just went right out the window. And they decided to try something that had never been tried in the history of humanity. And uh, maybe that's the way, maybe it's just human nature. So rather than pray, they want to get other people to pray. Rather than pray, go on Facebook, get a prayer chain. Rather than pray, uh, do a fleece or whatever. All kinds of things and activities that they use to try and substitute for prayer, but there's no substitute for prayer. And I like to look at it this way. If Satan had to rebuke the devil, why would I think I don't have to rebuke the devil? If Satan had to quote the word to the devil three times to, to run the devil off, why would I think I would have to know fewer than three verses to run the devil off. If Jesus needed to get away and rest, why would I think I don't need to get away and rest? And if Jesus had to pray, why would I think I don't need to pray? And so there's no substitute for prayer. So set aside the time each day, choose to make it a habit in your life. And don't just pray if you're praying and you're not getting regular and consistent answers to your prayers, if you're praying and you're not seeing miracles in your life on a regular basis, what do I mean regular basis? I don't know that I had a a miracle in October. 
doesn't bother me because I had several in September. I had a big one in November. So, but regular miracles, if you're not seeing regular miracles, well then change the way you're praying. And if you'll commune with the Lord in secret, I know what my notes say, but that's not what he's saying. If you'll commune with the Lord in secret, he will reward you openly. And uh, I mean, I'm not bragging on me. I give you all the credit, the glory, and the honor. But if I were not a man of prayer, do you think we would be sitting in a debt-free church tonight? No. No. So if we will, the, the effort, the time, the energy, the spiritual effort we put in, in secret, the Lord will reward us openly. Amen. Amen. Now, in my notes, what it says is that when you commune with the Lord in secret, you'll be able to pray with great freedom in public. Sometimes when people are called upon to pray in public, I feel sorry for them because when we pray out loud, it's obvious to every hearer whether or not we feel comfortable in the presence of the Almighty. I mean, it's, it can be pitiful. And so without even thinking about it, what we do without even thinking about it is we call on people to pray who are on praying terms with the Lord. A week from Thursday, if you have guests in your house, without even thinking it through, consciously, subconsciously, you will call on somebody to pray that you know is in good standing with the Lord. We do this subconsciously. Because when people pray out loud, you can place them. You know where, where they're at. And a lot of people, sadly, when they pray out loud, it's obvious they're not comfortable in the presence of the Lord. Or, let's say it this way, you can tell by the way they pray that prayer is not a common experience for them. Seldom will a spiritual mind reach out to an unspiritual life for help. <laughs> that explains a lot about politics, doesn't it? Uh, seldom will a spiritual mind reach out to an unspiritual life for help. The more you train the recreated human spirit, the more likely you are to have confidence in your ability to handle things yourself. Let me say that again. The more you train the recreated human spirit, the more confidence you're going to have that you can handle things yourself. It's when we don't take time to train the recreated human spirit that we're constantly dependent upon others. How do we train the recreated human spirit? By hearing the word, and by putting the word into practice. We hear the word, we put the word into practice, we train the recreated human spirit. Confession is not the only way we can put the word into practice, but it is one way. I like to break it out separate. So we hear the word, we believe the word, we confess the word, and we take action on the word. And the more we do that, then the greater training we put our recreated spirit man through. People don't understand this, that God gave us this gift. Actually, it's who we are. It's the human spirit. Now, for the unsaved man or woman, 
the unregenerate human spirit is what we call intuition. So even an, even an unsaved person has a, a, a sense of knowing that this is right, that's wrong, I should not buy this car, I should get out of here, I, I shouldn't go to that party. Even an unregenerate human being has a spirit, but it's not tied into God. It's not been made new in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's there, but to God it's dead. When we give our lives to Christ, we're connected to God, and he makes us alive on the inside. That part of us that died in the garden when Adam and Eve disobeyed the one commandment and partook of the forsaken fruit. Because God said, you're going to die. But they didn't fall over dead. So it wasn't their body that died. It was some other part of them that died because God cannot lie. So it was at the unseen part of them. The, the spirit within them died. The candle of the Lord went out in their lives. And so when we give our lives to Christ, it's incumbent upon us to train that recreated human spirit. And as we do that, well, we grow, we mature, and uh, we're not as dependent upon others as we were when we were babes in Christ. So prayer brings you into personal fellowship with the Father and with the Holy Spirit and with the Lord Jesus. You, you spend enough time, you spend enough years training the recreated human spirit. When you're praying, you can come to a place where you know which, is, which one's talking to you, the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. It doesn't much matter, but I, I think it's a point of great interest for me because I can tell which one is speaking to me. Prayer brings you into a relationship with all three of them. All three of them are brought into the prayer life because you're praying to the Father, you're praying in the name of Jesus, and you, you ought to be praying through the Holy Spirit. And as you pray, I've got a list. He got after me. It was February of 2018. Son, you're letting go of things. And I've always had prayer lists, but I didn't carry them when I prayed. Now I carry them, carry them when I pray. Oh, and by the way, Monday, guess what got deleted off my prayer list? Faith Christian Center has paid off. So, see? See? That, thank you, sir. That business is concluded. So I have the list, but, but while I'm praying... Many times the Lord will lead me away from that or in different ways. And what he does more often than not is he will give me scriptures to rehearse while I'm praying. And I was listening to, just a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to a Kenneth Hagin message. Then I watched a Fred Price message. And the Lord prompted me to take a phrase out of each and add to my list. Dad Hagen in one message said, Thank you, Father God, I'm a believer, I'm not a doubter, and I believe I receive my healing now. And then Fred Price in a message said, Thank you, Father God, according to your holy written word, I'm healed right now. And so I'm watching these messages, you know, at home, and, and, and the Lord just prompts me to add, add that to the list. So, so in my list, basically what that is, that's a confession. So the Lord will lead you. 
The Lord will guide you because he wants you to receive answers to your prayers. Sometimes even a scripture that he wants you to rehearse in prayer. He'll bring it to your remembrance. So I'm saying you pray to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you pray through the power of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 23, in that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father, now I know what I'm about to say could be perceived to be offensive. I, I mean, no disrespect, and, and I'm not trying to offend anybody. But if you're, if you're still praying to Jesus, this is part of the reason you're not getting answers. Now, I got nothing against Jesus. Don't go out of here and lie on me. You can talk to Jesus all you want. You can tell Jesus how much you love him. You can fellowship with Jesus all you want. But Jesus taught us that our, our prayers are to be directed to the Father. And so he says, I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So we are to go to Father God. Now, yeah, but they didn't do that when he was alive. Well, that's because he was alive. You know, when they were short of bread, they didn't pray about it. You know, he's standing right there. Lord, we got 5,000 men plus women plus children. We, you know, we got no bread. There's no point in praying. The Son of God's standing right there. Do you understand? A time is coming. See? So he taught them how to pray. And yet, how many of God's people? They just won't follow instructions. In that day, in that day, in that day. See, he's talking about a different day. Right now, they, if they had a problem, remember when Peter didn't have the money to pay his taxes? You remember that story when Peter, there's no point in praying about it. He just asked Jesus about how are we going to get these taxes paid? And Jesus told him to go fishing and there'd be a gold coin in the first fish's mouth. Man. That'd be great. Amen. Amen. Get your taxes paid fishing. That'd be great. In that day. So he's talking about some other day. He's talking about a, a time frame other than where they were right then. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Now, do I need to rehearse this 15 more times? Or can you see plain as day? He said, in that day, you, you, you'll, you won't ask me anything. And yet people, now, this is not even dealing with Jude and Mary and all that. You know, I got nothing against Jude. I, I don't know much about him. And if I ever bump into him on the streets of glory, you know, I'll be respectful, you know. But uh, there's no point in praying to Jude or, or wearing a St. Jude medallion, uh, you know. Mary, we stood in Mary's house. They obviously didn't think she was a god. We stood in her house. It was uh, basically one room. I mean, 20 by 20, stone. You know, the apostle John looked after her as she grew older, but... We stood in that. Obviously, if they, if they, if the New Testament first generation New Testament believers thought she was a god, well, she would have had better digs than that. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? So that came later through the church of Rome. So we direct our prayers to Father God. Say, tell your neighbor, we direct our prayers to Father God. Now, now, that's not fellowship. So I don't know how many times I've lifted my hands and I've said, Holy Spirit of God, a million years from now, I'll thank you for warning me on February 3rd and February 4th of 2015 that we didn't have much time. See, but to me, that's not a prayer. That's fellowship. I'm so grateful, Lord Jesus, for what you've done for me. I'm so grateful that you emptied yourself of your Father's glory and you came and you tabernacled among men. But see, that's not a prayer. That's fellowship. Do you understand the difference? See, if I have a request, well, then I go to Father God in the name of Jesus. Well, how come I got to do it that way? You, do it. you don't have to do anything. I'm saying if you want prayer to work, I would highly recommend following Jesus' teaching here. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. See, they hadn't asked for, you wouldn't go to Jesus and say, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, could you help me pay my taxes? See, that's what he's saying. That would be ridiculous, right? But I can go to Father God and say, in fact, there may be somebody here tonight needs to pray this. Father, in the name of Jesus, help me pay my taxes. See? But you wouldn't go to Jesus and say, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. So he's talking about a different time. And that time he's talking about is this time right here, right now. And your prayer should be based on the word of God. Same author, 1 John, 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. There's a lot in these couple of verses right here. You could hardly hear John Osteen speak without him rehearsing 1 John 5, 14 and 15. So confidence. How many of you want greater confidence in prayer? I got my hand up. Okay, so how do we get this confidence in prayer? If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. All right. One thing I learned from Fred Price is whenever you read something in the Bible, turn the coin over. So when John says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, flip the coin over, what is the opposite? If we, if we don't ask according to his will, he doesn't hear us. And that right there could explain a whole lot of unanswered prayer. I mean, you know, if you're praying that God will kill your husband so you can marry another woman's husband, see, there's, there's no point in thinking, why don't he hear me? Well, because you're not praying according to the word of God. You understand? So you have to pray. You, you, so that's why you got to go to the word of God and find scriptures that cover your case. So you know what the heck you're talking about when you enter the throne room of God. You have to have a basis. You can't, like they're doing now, you know, you can't just go into court and say, we don't like the way they counted those votes. You know, uh, that's not going to, you got you to gotta have case law. You got to be able to cite statutes. You got to make a case. You can't just go in and say, you know, we don't like that. 
you have to make a case. And your case can only be based on the word of God. So, he says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, watch it, there's a lot in here. We know that we have what we ask of him. See, John is teaching what is almost incredibly difficult to get our minds around. If you're a child of God and he hears you, you have what you ask of him. That's what John is saying. The problem is we don't pray scripturally. We don't have a basis for our prayers. We don't have confidence that he hears us. And then there's another factor. We don't take the time and trouble to grow in our faith. I mean, I can believe a million dollars in now just as easily as I could believe in $10,000, for example, back in the 80s. But if, 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 I, if I'd had to believe in a million dollars back in the 80s and my life depended on it, I'd have been a goner. So you have to, you have to grow. People don't want to seem to do that. We had a gal go to Bible school, came back, and uh, she went two years, came back, and I said, well, what are you going to do? And she said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe God for $3 million and I'm going to open a, open a coffee house in Deep Ellum. I said, that's great. What are you going to do in the meantime? She looked at me. I'm, a, I'm believing God for $3 million so I can open up a coffee house in Deep Ellum. I said, that's great, but what are you going to do now? And she was bewildered. She had no idea what I was talking about. See, in other words... You went to Bible school two years, so how about helping in children's church? How about helping in the nursery? How about teaching a Sunday school class? How about being useful, you know, because otherwise we're just going to use you as a doorstop. You know, you could stand in the corner. I believe God for $3 million so I can open up a coffee house in Deep Ellum. We could just use you as a doorstop. In other words, what are you going to do now? See? And, and I just knew from personal experience, and I don't remember what year that was, but in that year, believing God for $3 million would have been impossible for me. So here's this kid wet behind the ears, two years out of Bible school, 20 years old, ain't no way she's going to be able to believe God for $3 million. So maybe what she should have done was to believe God for $3,000 to go on a missions trip with a youth group or something. Do you see what I'm saying? And grow. Grow. That's why I'm always encouraging you to pick a number, a reasonable number. Don't pick $5 trillion. Pick a reasonable number, like $500. You need $500 to pay for something, or you need need $1,000 for Christmas, or whatever it is. Ask the Holy Spirit, how much should you sow as a seed for what you desire? And then sow the seed and then use August 26th, the prayer that I laid out on that Wednesday night, and believe God, I would say for a hundredfold. But see, that's where I'm at. The first time we ever gave a special offering was $1,400. It was in 1976. And within 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, pretty quick, we had a $3,500 automobile given to us, which is like a two and a half full return. And we were ecstatic. 
So, in other words, maybe you need to believe God for a 30-fold return and get that under your belt and then believe God for a 60-fold return. Does that make sense? But people always, you know, they always want to hit for the fences and they never hit a single in their life. So we need to find the scripture that covers our case, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Now, for example, on paying the church off. That's why Luke 18, 1 comes back into effect. Men should always pray and never give up. Because I'm going to say something and I don't even agree with it myself. The bigger the project, the bigger the miracle, the bigger the number, it can take more time. But I don't even agree with that myself because some of the biggest miracles I've ever seen in my entire life have happened instantly. I guess what I'm saying is you have to be mentally prepared that if it's a bigger project, you might have to believe God for a while. You might have to confess the word for a while. You might have to stay with it a while. And if there's one thing this generation is completely lacking, it's stick to You know, they'll try anything for three and a half minutes. So we just have to stay with it. And I think that that comes into play in Luke 18.1. Men should always pray and never give up. Now, if you're not making progress, you need to make adjustments. But I just stay with it. And, you know, many years ago, Sue said to me, she said, you know, I feel sorry for God sometimes. She said, the way you and Austin pray. She says, you're like junkyard dogs because we, we get on something and we stay with it. Now, we're not disrespectful. You know, we pray according to the word, but he knows at 741 on Wednesday evening, the 18th of November, in the year of our Lord, 2020, he knows as surely as the sun is coming up tomorrow that I'm going to be back again. He knows. And if I pass in the night, my prayer will change, but I'll be praying tomorrow. Do you understand? It'll be a different kind of prayer because I won't need anything. Amen. You know, I'll just be praising him. Amen. And telling him, I'm, I'm not missing the earth at all. Thank you very much. <laughs> Amen. Everybody went crazy in my generation. I don't understand it, but they're all nuts. Amen. Except for in here. Praise the Lord. Amen. Do you understand? Yes. But, but I'll be praying. And he knows it. So you stay with it. But if you're not making forward progress, if you don't see movement, then you got you to gotta make adjustments in your prayer life. I'll tell you one thing you all need to do. <laughs> this is totally by the Spirit of God. You need to confess your sins before you pray. You need to ask forgiveness for your sins in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth before you pray. Because if you go into his presence with unconfessed sin, everything you pray is not heard. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's for the believer. First John was written for the believer, but we just don't have the right to go into his presence with unconfessed sin and believe him because we're not, we're not doers of the word. We're not taking action on the word. 
So, you know, I come out of the door in the morning. First thing I do is a checkup on that. And then not every day, but a lot of days I'll say, now, Lord, is there any unconfessed sin in my life? Anything that I've forgotten about? Anything maybe even that, that I did that uh, I didn't mean to do? You know, I, I want to be clean before you. I don't do that every day, but a lot of days I do. And occasionally he'll, he'll bring something to my remembrance. Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that as sin. And I ask that you'd forgive me. Because I, if I'm going to put time in, I want to be effective. I, I, no point in praying an hour and realize I dialed the wrong number. You understand? In other words, I, I want to make a connection. Amen. So if you're praying and you're not making forward progress, you have to make adjustments. Our prayer lives bring our hearts into contact with the power of God. You can't spend any length of time in prayer without being impacted by God. The quietness, the unshakable faith, the deep, quiet peace that exists, pervades the Godhead, will overflow into the believer's life who prays. I'm going to say something, and it's almost brutal, but it is absolutely true. All of these politicians who say they're Christians, and I don't care what church they go to, but when it comes to COVID, they're nothing but scared little ninnies. They don't know God. And I'll tell you something else. They don't pray. Because the more you pray, the greater confidence you have. The more you... Now, I'm going to mention a name. Probably shouldn't, but I'm going to. Way back in March. Way back in March. And I was extremely impressed. Because I thought, there's a believer. The Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton, said I'd rather live... He said I'd rather die and live free. And he was greatly criticized by the national media. But I, I just said to Sue back in March, that's a believer. Because all these politicians who claim they're Christians and claim they go to church and claim they're a member of this denomination and that denomination, if they're running all over town like scared little ninnies, they don't know God. They don't know God. They don't know God. They don't know God. There's a, a video. I'm going to mention another thing. Probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> Ronald Reagan was giving a speech, and this was after he had been shot. After he had been shot. And he was giving a speech, and I don't know what it was. It sounded like gunshot. And he turned and he said, you missed. And he just kept right on speaking. <laughs> Now, his wife was questionable, but <laughs> he was a believer. He tithed the whole time he was in the White House. Yeah. Now, his wife, I don't know about that. But my point is, how can you, how can you know God and spend time with him and be afraid. So they either don't know God or they're spending no time with him. Do you understand? They just went to church, got their ticket punched. They, they raised their hand, they walked an aisle, they got their ticket punched, but they don't know God. 
Because you can't know God and be afraid. No, you can't walk with God and be afraid. Amen. So much of our irritability, weakness, and lack of spiritual insight comes from not spending time in the presence of the Master. You cannot spend an hour or so in conscious communion with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the Word of God without walking away from that place with a sense of spiritual fragrance about your life. My mom was in a horrible automobile accident many years ago. Her second husband died and one of her brothers that was an alcoholic died. He had, he had sobered up. He'd recommitted his life to the Lord and then he died in that accident. So anyway, I flew out there and to see her, she survived, see her in the hospital. Then a day or two later, I went to the wake of that uncle. And I hadn't seen these people in decades. And so, not, not so many cousins, but, you know, aunts and uncles would come up and, and they would introduce themselves to me again. And, you know, it was like, it's just faces. Every, every, every once in a while there was one that I remembered favorably or whatever, fondly. But then... This, this chubby gal, chubby older lady comes up, you know, Gene, don't you remember me? I'm Anna Mae. She had God in her. Now, whenever I've talked to Sue about Anna Mae, I've told her, you know, I'm, I'm, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go by Anna Mae's to have her make me some biscuits. <laughs> but that's what I remember about Anna Mae. But, but that day in that funeral home at that wake, spirit called out to spirit. See, I hadn't seen her in decades, but my spirit knew that her spirit was born again. Does that make sense? So we, we can't spend time with God and it not changes. Now, I realize you have to be very careful on the job now, but this is why people will approach you to talk to you. You know, why are you so happy? Or how are you making all this money? Or, you know... How are you married and happy, you know? And so, uh, but it's the God in you that's caught, they, they need help. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. They don't, they don't know how to be happy and married or whatever their issue is. And they see God in you. See, this is one of the benefits of prayer. People who spend time with the Father are slow to speak. They're slow to judge they're quick to love. They're quick to help. And I'll tell you something else. You, you spend time with Father God, you're going to be quick to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be quick to be a doer of the Word of God. Amen. I've spent a lot of my life, 47 years, you know, trying to stir people to action like that passage we were in the last two Sundays, 2 Corinthians 9, trying to stir people to action. Look, if you're a believer and you're spending time with God, you don't need somebody to come along and stir you to action because you're stirring yourself to action. There's a calmness about their lives. There's a calmness about their lives that challenges the restless people around them who crave a quietness of spirit. We can't spend time with believers who pray without partaking of their stability and their unshakable confidence in God and his word. That's why 
in the book of Acts, if you'll read the book of Acts, they gave themselves to prayer and to the study of the word. They didn't wait on tables. That's what deacons were for. They, they gave themselves to study and prayer in the word of God. Amen. I mean, I'm so calm and peaceful. Sometimes I watch my own messages and I think, you know, you could jazz it up a little there, son. <laughs> but, you know, there's a, there's a peace, there's a, there's a calmness, there's a certainty that, that God is on the throne Satan is completely and utterly defeated. The word of God is true. And everything I'm believing God for is coming to pass. Do you understand that? But but this kind of confidence comes from spending time with him, fellowshipping with him. And listen, all your prayer time doesn't have to be official, depending on what kind of job you have. You know, you you can sing. While you're doing the laundry, you can sing while you're washing a car. You can, you can commune and fellowship with God doing what you're doing. Now, it would depend on the kind of work you do. But when you're at home and doing chores around the house, so it doesn't have to be like a start time and a quitting time. Bring him into your life. Bring him into your life. Fellowship with him. Amen. I just make it a habit. Anytime I go get the mail, I'm talking to them. Anytime I'm doing anything outside, I'm talking to them. A lot of times walking through the house, I'm talking to them. You know, bring them into your life. You, you, your, your, your life will pick up power as you bring them into your life. How many of you would agree with this statement? In 2020, we don't need to be living powerless Christian lives. In 2020, we need to have some power with God. Amen? Believers who are easily disturbed and unsettled by current events of the world are believers who don't spend time with Father God in prayer. And I'll tell you something else since I'm on this. I have a basic theory about 2020 and all these people that are all so worried about, you know, the average age of death with COVID and all those numbers are inflated. The average age of death with COVID is 78. And what would you guess is the average age of death in the United States of America? 78. So I have a theory about all of this. This is not Bible. This is not God. This is my theory. My theory is it's all these pro-abortion people and and they're scared out of their minds of dying. Believers. I mean, I don't want to go tonight, but I don't really care. In other words, I'm not afraid. And then they, that's why they criticize Christians. Well, how come you're not afraid? Something must be wrong with you. Well, I know Jesus. Then they really go nuts. See, if I know Jesus, I'm not afraid. (laughs) You think Jesus, can you just picture Jesus, you know, Peter, you're you're closer than six feet. (laughs) It's ludicrous. To somebody who knows God. Do you understand? Yeah. So there's fear. And they're afraid. They're not joking. They're afraid. That's why now people get too close to you in 2020. It's so easy. All you got to do is go. (sighs) They back right up. 
or sneeze. That'll get rid of them. <laughs> Faith makes us victors in Christ. Faith mo- makes mountains and difficulties take their true position in our lives. I'm out of time, but let me end with a story. It's one of my favorite stories of all time. I heard this from Lester Summerall, who knew Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth was traveling in the Orient, and uh, that was back in the days, you understand, before electricity, and he was in the Orient, and uh, he woke up in the middle of the night, and, and the hotel room was just freezing cold. And so it took a couple of moments because he had to find the matches and take the glass thing off the old coal lantern and strike a match and light the lantern and put the glass globe back on top. And he looked, and there at the foot of the bed was Satan himself. And Smith Wigglesworth said, oh, it's only you. And he blew the light out and went back to sleep. Our problem is we don't know who we are. We are the children of Almighty God. He has breathed into us not just the breath of life. He has breathed into us a recreation of the human spirit. We are made alive unto God and we have been made dead to this world. That's why we don't understand what they're doing. Because we have been made alive unto God and we have been made dead to this world and he lives in us. And we don't know who we are and we don't understand how mindful he is of us. If you would only follow the instructions of Jesus on prayer and if you would only hear his word, confess his word, Take action on his word. He wants to give you every desire of your heart. He wants to meet every prayer request you have. He wants to give you everything you want or desire. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. See, we have it all backwards. If he gives me the desires of my heart, well, then I'll have time to pray. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Hallelujah. He's wonderful, he's beautiful, he's gracious, he's kind, he's loving. But don't let any of that fool you. When it comes to his business, he is completely and totally serious. People get between him and the gospel and they die. They oppose the gospel and they die. They oppose the anointing and they die. But that's because he gave us the greatest and the most precious gift he could possibly give and that was the life of his son. And he wants everybody to be saved because Jesus has already paid the price for everybody to be saved. What, what a terrible shame for people to slip into hell because they don't need to because Jesus paid the price. And I believe with all of my heart that all of this going on is nothing but a distraction to get God's men and God's church off the mission. 
And I've just made up my mind. I guess you've noticed that I'm not distracted by politics. I'm not distracted by COVID. I'm not distracted by the police state. I'm not distracted. I've got a laser focus on the mission and the call. And my job is to get as many saved as I can, get as many set free and delivered as I can, get as many healed as I can, and to prepare the good people of God for the end. Because that's what he told me to do. Amen. 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 But we're not afraid. We're not afraid. No. And Satan is utterly, completely, totally defeated tonight. Amen. Amen. Lift both hands. Say, thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. In this place, in this this church, in in my home, in my my family, in my life, in my my work, work, and in my business, business, Satan Satan is utterly, utterly, totally, totally, and completely completely defeated defeated because the Word of God says that Jesus Jesus made an open show and spectacle of him on the cross. So Father, we trust you and we fear nothing. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.